Welcome, welcome, welcome. What a wonderful time of worship we just had, and I, I hope that meant as much to you as it did to me, and I want you to know that uh, these people up here, they, they practice, they do a lot of work to prepare for what they do here, and let's give them appreciation today. So I want to just begin today by <clears throat> welcoming everybody. Maybe you're a visitor. Maybe it's the first time you've ever been here. And uh, today you're coming. And today we begin our first session in this uh, Christmas series called Messiah's Revealing. And I, I'm just glad you're here. And I'm glad that everyone's here today. If you are a visitor, I'm asking you to fill out a visitor card. And when you leave today, drop it off in the Welcome Center. They've got a gift for you back there. And uh, we just, uh, we rejoice in the assembly. We don't have to travel by ourselves. We're here together. And we're going to make it all the way to the promised land. By his power. Today we're going to begin four parts. I'm excited. You probably can tell that. The Messiah's revealing. So you're going to hear me say the word Messiah a lot in the series. And I want you to understand that the word Messiah is the Jewish or the Hebrew word for the Greek word Christ. So when we say Jesus Christ, the Jewish people in Hebrew would say Yeshua Messiah. They would say Jesus Messiah. We would say Jesus Christ. It's the same meaning. Today, our first part is the waiting. When I was a child, the waiting for Christmas was the hardest thing. Anybody remember that? The waiting. It seemed like December was the slowest month of the year when I was a kid. We would go through Thanksgiving, and then as a child, you look forward to Christmas and all the things that were attached to Christmas, and it seemed like it took forever to get from Thanksgiving to Christmas I want to use this Christmas season to look back at the waiting world at that first Christmas, that first coming of Jesus Messiah, known as Christ. Some of the people of earth were waiting for the Messiah. That first Christmas, when all of this began, some of the people of the earth were waiting for their Messiah, and other people they had no clue. But the Bible says this. Here's the foundation today. Some people were waiting and watching and attentive because they knew something was coming. And there's another group of people on the earth in that time, and they had no clue about anything that was coming. But the Bible specifically says that all of creation, all of creation has been waiting and longing for Messiah since the beginning of time. Even if you don't know what you're waiting for, something inside of us and something inside of creation itself is waiting. So let's begin today in Romans chapter 8, verse 19 in the New Testament. And here's what the Apostle Paul under the Holy Spirit says for all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day 
All creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all of creation was subjected to God's curse. And I want you to focus on that sentence for a moment. Against its will, all of creation has been subjected to a curse. And who did it? God did it. All of creation has been subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, but with eager hope, even though we've been subjected to a curse by God himself, but with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from what? Glorious freedom, God's children. Glorious freedom from what? Death, decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth. All of creation groaning like it's in labor up to the present time. All of creation is waiting for a future day. When Messiah will come and make everything right. All creation is waiting for Messiah's revealing. Do you know that? All creation is groaning. How? It's as if we were in labor. As if in the pains of childbirth. All of creation is groaning. Groaning, waiting for what? Messiah's revealing. The first time. It's an interesting comparison when he came the first time. Creation was in labor, waiting for Mary to go into labor. Groaning as in the pains of childbirth. And we today, after he has come the first time, what will be revealed by the labor that we groan in now? He has told us that the next appearing, Messiah's revealing the next time, will reveal. Listen carefully. Who God's children really are. Not those who think they are, but those who are God's children. The waiting. All creation was waiting when the Virgin Mary had that first visit from Gabriel, the angel. The prophets had announced it. The prophets had written it down, and their prophetic words were read every Sabbath to the Jewish people, and the Jews joined in all creation for what? The Jewish people in the Old Testament joined with creation in the waiting. The waiting for what? For Messiah's revealing. Let's look at the words that kept the Jewish people in waiting before the first coming, the first revealing of Messiah. The announcement of God that would put all creation into waiting. If I ask you today, what do you think the the first announcement of God that put all of creation in the waiting mode, what was it? I wonder how many answers I'd get. But that first Christmas, all of creation was waiting for something that had previously been announced and written down and revealed to the Jewish people. It was a curse. Are you hearing me? The first time that God announces Messiah's revealing, it was in the curse. 
That might surprise some of you today. I read a moment ago, it said, against its will, all of creation was subjected to God's curse. Against its will. It wasn't our idea. It wasn't creation's idea. Against our will, against our desire, all of creation was subjected to a curse by God himself. Adam and Eve in this scene had sinned against God. And God has now come to the garden to bring judgment because of sin. Judgment and waiting. God appears in the garden and judgment and waiting will follow. God begins with Satan, the serpent. Genesis 3 verse 14. Do you want to know the origin of the waiting? Genesis 3:14. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And I, who's I? God. God looks at the serpent that day, and he says, I will cause hostility. Some translations say enmity or war or hatred. God is announcing something to the serpent. I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And he will strike your head. Who? Her offspring. He will strike your head and you, the serpent, will strike his heel. And the words I want you to focus on is this, because some of you are going to be surprised at the origin of of every generation's waiting, and I will cause. God said to the serpent, and I will cause. God is in charge, and God has issued an announcement to all of creation. And let me use the word that's most familiar with us, war. And I will cause war. That's what enmity is. That's what the hostility is. War between the seed of woman and Satan. War between the offspring of Eve and the serpent. War, hatred, waiting. Waiting for what? What would people be waiting for after this announcement by God himself to the adversary, Satan? What would they be waiting for? Waiting for the day that the curse, the war would end. The hatred, the enmity, the battle would be over. Waiting. This announcement and curse of God came some 4,000 years before that first Christmas, before Messiah's revealing. 4,000 years of war, 4,000 years of waiting, 4,000 years of sin and death and graveyards and graveyards and graveyards. 4,000 years. The spiritual war had begun. And all creation will groan and wait for what? What are they waiting for? For the war to end. 
There will be no true and lasting peace on earth until this war announced in Genesis 3 is over, until the waiting is over. God even gave specifics about the war. Even though I doubt many people understood it, not yet anyway, look at the specifics in that announcement from God to Satan. He said these words, He will strike your head. I will put enmity, war, hostility between you, Satan, and the woman. And he, the offspring of that woman, the offspring of woman, he will strike. New American Standard Translation says bruise. NIV says crush. The offspring of woman, now that the war has begun, will crush your head. And you will strike his heel. Remember, this is God talking to Satan. Who is the he that will strike the head of the serpent? Do you know? Do you know who we're waiting for? Who is the he that God announced in advance is going to strike the head of the serpent? What does it mean? You... Satan will strike or bruise or crush his heel. Who is the he? Both will happen. Listen, both of these events will happen. The striking, the bruising, the crushing will happen. Now for the waiting and the groaning and the birth pains. But they will all happen. The striking, the bruising, the crushing. It's interesting to me that I've just read to you Genesis 3, the beginning. Genesis 3, the beginning. And do you know this war is also described again in the last book of Revelation? It's in the beginning, Genesis 3, and it's in the end, in Revelation. This time Satan is described as a dragon, not a serpent. Who is this he that's going to crush the serpent's head? And who is he? What does it mean he's going to strike your heel, but he's going to crush your head? Who is this he? Announced in Genesis 3, 4,000 years before Messiah's revealing. Do you understand why they're waiting? Let's go to Revelation to the end. In Revelation chapter 12. When the dragon realized that he had been thrown down to the earth, the dragon is Satan. The dragon is the serpent in Genesis 3. When the dragon realized he'd been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman. Who's he after? He knows what Genesis 3 says. He pursues the woman who had given birth to a male child. Anybody want to guess who they are? But she was given two wings like those of a great eagle so she could fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness. There she would be cared for and protected from the dragon for a time, times, and half a time. By the way, I'm convinced that's three and a half years. And then the dragon tried to drown the woman with a flood of water that flowed from his mouth. But the earth helped her by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that gushed out of the mouth of the dragon. And the dragon was angry. You see this Genesis 3, this hostility, this war, this enmity. And the dragon was angry at the woman and he declared war. It's in Genesis 3. It's in Revelation 12. It's in the whole story of man. 
He declared war against the rest of her children. His anger is about a woman who's going to produce a son, a child. Why? He doesn't want his head crushed. He declared war against the rest of her children. Who are the rest of her children? Pay attention. All of those who keep God's commandments and who maintain the testimony of Jesus. There he is. There he is. Messiah's revealing. The Messiah whose heel will be crushed and bruised by the servant. There he is. Do you see the enmity? Do you see the war, the hostility between Satan and the seed of woman? Do you see the enmity and the war between Satan and you in this room right now? He hates you because you hold to the testimony of Jesus, the one who is destined to crush his head, though he will strike his heel. He hates you. Jesus told us he comes to kill, steal, and destroy, to do whatever he can to stop you, for it is the only way he has to touch anything about the Father, is to touch you, his children. It's declared in the beginning, and it is the event of the end. And the in-between, what is it between Genesis 3 and Revelation? What is it? The waiting. Messiah's revealing. But I don't want to get ahead of myself, and I could very easily do that in Revelation. Guess what the next verse back in Genesis is about? So let's go back to Genesis, and let's see what everybody's waiting for and why they're waiting. What's the next verse in Genesis? Birth pains. Remember, the Apostle Paul has already revealed to us that all of creation is groaning with birth pains, even now as we await Messiah's revealing of his legitimate children. All of creation is groaning in birth pains while we wait for this freedom from sin and death and decay in graveyards. The curse of Satan has been decreed by God. And what's next? Remember the story? God has decreed a curse to Satan. And then what? The woman, Eve. She will receive the curse of God. And before I read it, I want you to hear me again. Against its will, all of creation, against its will, all of creation was subjected to God's curse. So here comes Satan. He is subjected to God's curse. And here comes Eve. She will also be subjected to God's curse. Verse 16. And then he said to the woman, I, who's I? That's God. Who's doing this? God. What caused it? Sin. I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy. And in pain you will give birth. And you will desire to control your husband. But he will rule over you. Birth pains. Birth pains will be sharpened. And increased. Now, I want you to pause for a moment and think about this. It makes you wonder what childbirth would have been like without the curse. It does me. 
What was it going to be like before the curse? But notice the second one, all you married couples, and you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. Did you know that's the curse? Do you know who did that? Quit being mad at your husband. Your desire will be to control your husband, but he will rule over you. This one also makes me wonder what marriage and God's social order would have been like before the curse. This is the curse. Birth pains. Creation will groan like birth pains, and woman will groan with birth paintings birth pains, waiting for the birth pains to end, waiting for the war to be over. That's what everyone's waiting for. But what about Adam? That was Satan and that was Eve. They got part of the curse of God. But what about the man? Next verse, verse 17. And to the man. He said, since you listened to your wife, since you listened to your wife and you ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground, what? Since you listened to your wife and you ate from the tree that I commanded you not to eat, the ground, what? The ground is cursed. The earth is cursed because of you, Adam, and all your life, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. The first thing God said to Adam was, you shouldn't have listened to her. You should have listened to me. Now, I want to say three things here, three things. To the men, to the husbands, let me say, there are many times that you had better listen to your wife. Let me begin there. Number two, there are some times probably when you should not listen to your wife. And number three, there is never a time when you should not listen to God. That's what started this. You see, there's multiple voices. There's a lot of people that you can listen to. And there's sometimes somebody you should listen to, and there's sometimes people you should not listen to. But there's never a time that you should ignore the voice of God. Let me clear up something on this this morning before we continue. I know some of you are going to be surprised by Messiah's revealing in the context that I'm about to show you. Do you want to know the truth today? You see, the whole idea of this series is to reveal this absolute truth revealed in the Word of God about the Messiah. But I want to do something before I read this next part. I've come to this very simple, fundamental conclusion. There are three reasons for people being unbelievers. Now, I would like to look at the audience today in both services and say everybody is a believer. But I'm a realist, and I highly doubt that's true. But there's three fundamental reasons that people are not believers. Let me tell you the first. The first is for people to not be a believer. The first is ignorance. And that doesn't mean they're stupid. That's not what the word means. The word means they don't know. And if you don't know, you don't know. If you don't know the truth, the truth cannot set you free. 
So the first reason for unbelievers is people don't know. What don't they know? They don't know that faith saves you. Faith in Messiah saves you. And faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. So the first reason for unbelievers, they don't know. The second reason for unbelievers is there's false teachers. They tell the lie. So they heard what they thought was truth, but it's not truth at all. Maybe it comes in a million flavors. Maybe everybody, maybe the truth you heard is everybody goes to heaven. Well, they don't. And maybe the truth you heard was that you're saved because you're a good guy or you're a good gal. Well, that's not it either. But there's a third reason for unbelievers. And I wonder if it's the most dangerous. And the third reason is you heard the truth, but you don't believe it. You never received it. It never became your truth. You never accepted it. What is it? Him. Messiah's revealing. For he has revealed himself. But you must accept his revelation, his revealing to be a believer. Do you want to know the truth? See, there is not a part of the scripture that I'm afraid to read. But I know when I read this next verse, some people are going to raise your eyebrows. So here it comes. I've read to you the curse between man and woman and the serpent and how everything is based upon this curse in Genesis 3. And all creation is groaning and waiting. So let's go to the New Testament. Let's fast forward. There's sin and there's curse. There's war and there's waiting for Messiah's revealing. And here comes the Apostle Paul. He has encountered Messiah personally. He has been raised to the third heaven and encountered God in ways that he can't even tell us. And here's what he says, 1 Timothy 2.11. Now, I want to, before I read it, I want you to know, he understands Genesis 3. Do you? Women should learn quietly and submissively I do not let women teach men or have authority over them. Let them listen quietly. Now, let me tell you something. I know when I read that, some of your brains are already going to shut off. But I need to confess something. I didn't write it. But Paul, the one who wrote it, has the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, he understands the curse. Do you? Do you understand the curse? Do you understand what Genesis 3 has to do with us right now, today? The world we live in right now? Because it's in the next verse. Verse 13, for God made Adam first, and afterward he made Eve. And it was not Adam who was deceived by Satan. The woman was deceived, and sin was the result. But women will be saved through childbearing, assuming they continue to live in faith, love, holiness, and modesty. Now, I'm going to say one more thing. Jesus says, if anyone is ashamed of me or my words, I will be ashamed of them before the angels in heaven. Eve 
was the one deceived. She listened and she believed the lie. There were two voices in the garden. There was the voice of God. There was the voice of the serpent. She listened to the voice of God. She knew the truth that would make them free forever. But she listened to the other voice. But here it comes. Here it comes. There's the Genesis 3 connection. But Adam will bear the responsibility for her sin. Are you hearing me? She listened. She was the one deceived. The Apostle Paul makes it clear. She was the one deceived. The curse that God gave to Adam was because you listened to your wife. You listened to the other voice. She was the one deceived. But Adam will bear the responsibility for sin. Why? Why? Do you understand why? Because Eve came from Adam. Notice that all creation was cursed because of Adam. Why? Because Adam came from the dust of the earth. All creation is cursed because of Adam. Why? Because Adam's source was the earth. Eve's source is not the earth. Eve's source is Adam. Do you you understand the curse? Satan... Satan deceived Eve, and Adam bore the curse because Eve came from him. Adam came from the dust. Adam came from the ingredients of the earth. And the earth was cursed by God because of Adam. What was the curse? Painful work, toil, thistles came upon Adam and creation itself. The Bible says creation itself is groaning as in the pains of childbirth. Do you understand? Does any of this help you understand why we live in a fallen world? Why people die? Why people don't live to be 300 years old? Do you understand why we live in a fallen world? The world is under a curse against its will. God subjected all of creation to a curse. Now, if you think that you're smarter than God, that you figured out already... Why people die. Then you reject the truth that would set you free. And, and let, me, let me illustrate. And I've shared this story numerous of times. There was a time when you could go and preach a funeral. And you would go and preach a funeral. And you could say, as a, at least in this Bible Belt area, you could say, sin has caused death. Sin has brought death to this place today. And everybody would say, yep, sin's what does it. Sin is the reason why people die. But you say that now. You say that now. I, I told you, I said that in a, in a funeral in Lawrenceburg a couple years ago. And a woman got up. She didn't know Genesis 3, obviously. When I said sin has brought death to this room today, she got up through the chair, gave me a look that would have killed most normal people, (laughs) and went out the door. Why do you think people die? Here's the deal. Ultimately, ultimately, the curse of death came upon 
Adam. Do you know why? Messiah is revealing. Hang on. Why? Because there was going to be a second Adam. Genesis 3.19 By the sweat of your brow you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made, Adam. From the, by the sweat of your brow you'll live until you go back to where you came from. For you were made from dust and to dust you will return. Eve didn't come from dust. She came from Adam. Her curse was painful childbirth and a changed relationship with her mate. Adam came from the dust and now he will die and return to the dust. The dust is the earth and now all three, creation, Adam, and Eve are under the curse and all three are now waiting and all three are now groaning like they're in the pains of childbirth. What are they waiting for? The curse to be lifted. 4,000 years of waiting, groaning, and dying from Adam to the time of Jesus. There were a few people that understand the reasons for the fallen world condition. God revealed it to the Jewish people. They're prophets of old. Let me stop and say what some of you are thinking to yourself right now. This is a Christmas sermon series? Yeah, it is. You know why? Because you will never understand Christmas until you understand this. You'll never know what they were waiting for. And until you know what they were waiting for then, you will never understand the value of what we're waiting for right now. Yeah, this is a Christmas sermon series. Stay with me. There is another Adam. The curse, the groaning, the waiting. That's the why of Christmas. Messiah revealed. Some people knew about God's plan to one day end the waiting. Are you with me? Some people, the Jewish people, knew about one day God has said, one day I'm going to end the waiting. One day I'm going to end the curse. Do you know how big this would be? All of creation would be affected if God, who subjected the, the creation to a curse, would one day withdraw the curse. And if the curse came to a one man, Adam, what if one man could withdraw the curse? Do you know how big this would be? Moses comes 2,500 years after Adam, and Moses knew. Moses knew. The Holy Spirit showed Moses. Let me read it to you. Deuteronomy 18, verse 15. Moses continued, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. Moses knew Messiah's revealing that prophecy of Moses was some 1,500 years before Jesus. And the people waited. Moses' generation, they waited and they waited for God to raise up one like Moses. They kept waiting. They kept waiting. And here comes the next prophet. His name is Isaiah. And listen, Isaiah knew. 
In the middle of all the waiting, in the middle of the curse, Isaiah knew. Isaiah 9, 6, for a child is born. A child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and his peace will never end. What? This is a child? This is a son? What does Isaiah know? His government, his peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David. How long? For all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. And the people waited for this child to be born. This prophecy of Isaiah was 700 years before Christ. And they waited, and they waited, and they waited. And then the Lord does something. Something in the middle of the prophet Isaiah's time. God declares how he was going to do it. Specifically, how he's going, specifically, how he's going to do it. Messiah's revealing do what? In the war. How is he going to end the war between Satan and Eve? How? How's he going to end the curse that has fallen upon all creation? How? To end the waiting, Messiah will be revealed. How will God do it? What will be the sign? How will he do it? The Jews have been waiting, waiting so long. But how? Here it comes. Here it comes. Isaiah 7, 13. Then Isaiah said, listen well, you royal family of David. Isn't it enough to exhaust human patience? Must you exhaust the patience of God as well? All right then, God says, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God is coming to save us. Emmanuel is coming. But how could God come to save us? How could God come to this fallen, cursed world? Did you see? The virgin will conceive a child. That's how God will do it. That's how the woman's seed will crush the serpent's head. That's how the serpent will strike the heel of the woman's seed. That's how the curse, listen, do you know how big this is? That's how the curse will be lifted by crushing the one that deceived Eve in the first place. God will come and save us. God will come by becoming a man. And he will crush Satan for us. He will become, here he comes, the last Adam. What the first Adam did the last Adam will undo. But why a virgin? 
4,000 years of waiting for the virgin that will conceive the Son of God. And I got to tell you, this is perhaps one of the biggest light bulb moments of my lifetime is when I got this one years ago. Of all the billions of people who have ever lived on the earth, of all the billions of men that have ever lived on the earth, only one is not from Adam's seed. Do you know why the virgin birth is so big? (laughs) It's, It's not because we don't know how anybody can do that. It's because of all the billions of people who have ever lived on the earth, there's only one that is not from Adam. Do you get it? Do you see it? Only one. You know what that means? Only one is outside the curse. If all creation was against its will subjected to the curse, somebody from outside of creation was going to have to save us. And there's only one. 4,000 years of waiting and groaning. And now, at just the right time, here comes Messiah's revealing. Romans 5, 6. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died. What? What? And died for us sinners. We were all helpless, unable to break the curse of sin and death. Creation, men, women, none of us could do anything about the curse because the curse came from God without our will upon all creation. Christ came at just the right time to die. That's why he came to die. All the waiting for Messiah. And what was the Messiah's purpose? To die. Most people don't think of Christmas this way, do they? When you think of Christmas, do you think of the cross? No, you don't. But that's why he came. He came to die. That's how Genesis 3 will be fulfilled. That's the only way the curse will be lifted. Striking his heel. You remember Genesis 3? The woman's seed will strike his heel. That was the cross. Satan thought he had won, but Messiah was revealed. Striking his head was also the cross, followed by the resurrection. Messiah was revealed. Obedience to the Father, even unto death, death on the cross, crushed the serpent's head. 4,000 years of waiting and groaning, and God said the time was right. Now, the revealing of Messiah. Galatians 4.4. But when the time... When the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the Jewish law. God sent him, why? To buy freedom. What do you need freedom from? What does all creation need freedom from? Send him. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he, so that God the Father could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent his spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Why don't you do that? Abba, Father. Do it again. Abba. 
Father. That's why he came. So you can do that. And now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. He wasn't Adam's son. He wasn't Joseph's son. He is God's son. Messiah revealed. Born of a woman to fulfill Genesis 3, to break the curse of all creation. All the waiting, all the groaning, all the sacrifices, all the prophets waiting for what? All of it to get us back where we started. Are you understand something? It's like this giant circle. All of this waiting, all of this time, all of these people to get us back where we started. Where did we start? God and his children. No curse. Free. You will never understand Christmas until you understand the why. And what they were all waiting for. So here we are today, standing some 2,000 years after the first revealing of Messiah, Jesus Christ. And we're still waiting. But our waiting is very different than their waiting before that first Christmas. Do you know the difference? Do you see the difference? The difference Today is life and death. The difference today is heaven and hell. Today is the difference today is hopelessness or to be hope-filled. The difference is our ability to become the children of God or remain the children of Satan. The difference is war or peace. Before that first Christmas, the first revealing, all creation was groaning and waiting for freedom from the curse. Freedom from sin and death. And all creation was groaning and waiting because the curse was powerful. The curse was overwhelming. Nobody could shake off the curse, no matter how strong you are. But now, after the birth of Christ and after the life of Christ and the cross of Christ and the resurrection of Christ and the ascension of Christ, and now after the revealing of Messiah, what's different today? We know the truth. The curse has been lifted, and freedom is ours through Jesus Christ our Lord. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. The curse is lifted. Do you know that? We are now God's adopted children. We are heirs of His glory. Now. Not, not one day in the future. Now. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Messiah and Savior, has crushed the serpent's head. Everything you need to break the bondage of sin and death and the curse that was placed upon all creation is now, right now, today, within your reach by faith in Jesus Christ. And I want to say the three things I said earlier. There is only there are three reasons for you to walk out this door today as an unbeliever. And none of them are God's fault. One is you don't know. Well, after today, you will know. Number two, somebody gave you false teaching. You didn't get any of that here. You got this here. But number three, but number three is you don't accept it. 
I said earlier, I wonder if that's the most dangerous one. Because you heard. But you don't believe it. Something down inside makes you not want to believe it. I began today with Romans 8, 19. So today I'm going to close with that same passage, except I, rather than reading one verse, I'll expand it so you get the whole story. Here we go. I want you to listen real careful. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory He's going to reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who His children really are. Against its will, all of creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom, glorious freedom of death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. We're still groaning. I'm groaning. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as His adopted children, including, oh my, oh my, oh my, oh my, including, including, the new bodies He has promised us. Somebody better say hallelujah. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. Yes, I'm waiting. And yes, my soul is groaning with all creation for Messiah's second revealing. And if you think his first coming was big, if you think his first revealing was large, just wait. I told you that waiting for Christmas was the hardest thing for me as a child. I can tell you that waiting for Jesus' return is also very hard for me. Some, in fact, many people that I know and loved ones that were waiting alongside of me have now died while they were waiting. And I'm going to confess something. I am tired of funerals. I'm tired of the curse. I'm tired of watching people, even believers, even people who have spent their entire life waiting for Messiah's revealing. I'm tired of going to graveyards. I've got one. I've got a funeral tomorrow. I'm tired of watching people die. We are in a spiritual war. The word in Genesis 3 was enmity, hostility, hatred. Against its will, God has subjected the entire creation to a curse. And there are many casualties in this war. 
Does that bother you that many believers have died while they were waited, waiting? I told you, I grow weary. I grow weary of watching believers die while we're waiting. Does it bother you? It shouldn't because you know the truth. And here's the truth. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive... I prefer to be alive when he returns, but whether we are dead or alive when he returns, we can live with him forever. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. I can't give you a bigger encouraging word for Christmas season than that one. Whether you're dead or alive when he returns, you will live with him forever. Dead or alive. Same ending, forever Messiah's revealing. All of creation is groaning as in the pains of childbirth right now. And I'm going to ask you, can you see it? Jesus told us that his next coming will also be like birth pains. With signs increasing in intensity and increasing in frequency. So, you know, when a woman goes into labor, she'll have a contraction, she'll have birth pains, and they'll be far apart and not so intense. But the closer to the birth, what happens? The frequency increases, and so does the intensity until the birth occurs. And Jesus says that his next revealing will come in the same way, like birth pains. Matthew 24, verse 3. Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, tell us when, when Jesus, when's Messiah's revealing going to happen? What sign will signal your return? What sign will signal the end of the world? And Jesus told them, listen, listen, church. Don't let anyone mislead you for many will come in my name claiming I am Messiah. They will deceive many. You will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nations will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all of this, all of this trouble is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. I proclaim to you today that all creation is groaning. It's groaning. All of creation was in labor, waiting for Mary to go into labor that first Christmas. And today, all of creation is in labor, groaning, and waiting for Messiah's revealing to set us free. I'll just give you one example. If you want to know the truth about the world's groaning today, read Ezekiel 38 and 39, and then watch the Middle East as Russia and Iran and Lebanon and Syria all make plans to make war against Israel. It's recorded in advance. Hatred, enmity, war, hostility. It's a curse. It might get very difficult, church, 
in these final days. It might get very difficult while we wait for Jesus' return. There might be great suffering. There might be great hardship for the church. Jesus told us that the world was going to hate us simply because we belong to him. But oh, the glorious freedom of belonging to him. So I'm going to ask you a closing question. Are you free today? Free from sin and death and grave. Ultimately, are you freed from the curse? Because here's the reason I ask this question. I told you that believers are free. We're free from the curse. Jesus became our curse. Cursed is him who is put upon a tree. When he died on the cross, he took my curse. He became my curse. He took it upon himself. So what if, what if you don't accept him? What if you don't believe he is who he says he is? Then here's the deal. I must tell you the truth. Then the curse is yours. And you will wear it. And you will wear it forever. And the grave will take hold of you and it will never, ever let you go. When right in front of you all along was freedom. His name is Jesus. Messiah revealed. Are you free today? You will never be truly free until you can call Jesus your brother and Abba, God your Father. What's all this waiting and groaning going to reveal on the last day? One last scripture. Romans 8, 18. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he'll reveal to us later. For all of creation is waiting for what? For the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Are you on that list? I'll ask Chad to come out. Are you on that list? All creation is groaning, waiting for that future day when all creation will stop groaning and God's going to read the names of his children. It's called the Lamb's Book of Life. Is your name in there? Is your name on that list? That's where God records the names of his children. If your name's not on there, then the curse is yours. The curse has not been lifted. You bear the curse forever. Today there's glorious freedom in Christ. Messiah, the truth, the gospel has been revealed. Next week, part two will be about the light. I encourage you to come and hear what the word of God reveals about Messiah's revealing and the light. I'll tell you in advance, you do not want to miss what the light reveals. Father, I pray in Jesus' name for Messiah to be revealed by your Holy Spirit today. You will draw. You said the Son of Man will be lifted up and he will draw people to himself. So today, you, Jesus, Messiah, have been lifted up. Now you, Jesus, Messiah, draw people to yourself in Jesus' name. Amen. The invitation's open. If the Holy Spirit's calling you today, respond. Respond by coming down.